preaching on passion today, kingdom passion. So I'm going to ask some of you, what is your passion? So if you've got a passion, raise your hand. Okay, what's your passion? Reading. Reading is your passion. Somebody else, what's your passion? Come on. Oh, man, are you passionless piece? Oh, wow. What's your passion, Rudy? Winning souls. Okay, that's good. That's a real, you know, that's one of those answers. I kind of expected out of Rudy. Mike, what's your passion? Uh, my passion is serving the people, the homeless, the poor, wherever that is. Okay. Somebody else, what's your passion? Jesus. Jesus, what's your passion? Serving God. See, I want some other answers. Those are all like Christian answers. What's your passion? Working out. Working out, yeah. What's your passion? True. Love. Love. Okay, so how, what's your passion? Giving. Drawing. Draw. Ooh, I like the, the drawing. Gardening. Gardening, gardening. Okay. Colette, what's your passion, little sweetie? Exercising. Oh, come on. You want to exercise with me? Get up, come on. You're too fast for me. Slow down. Anybody else have a passion? Leading people. Yes. Oh, you don't. She's like, oh, I'm just fixing my hair. What's your passion? Baking and cooking. Oh, so we're coming over to your house after church. What's your passion? Singing. Sing. Oh, I like that. I like that passion. Anybody else have a passion that just got a, that hadn't been announced before? Oh, we have passions over here. Junk and turning trash to treasure. Ooh, you like garage sales? Oh, I know it. <laughs> Music. Music. Anybody else in this section? No passion in this? In this? Okay. I think I get that. Hold on. I'm getting exercise in, Colette. Uh, teaching the leaders of tomorrow. Okay, that's cool. Jorge, what's your passion? Woodworking. Woodworking. Children. Oh, children. The little children. What's your passion? Teaching my, teaching my children. Teaching my children. Okay. Anybody else? I don't believe anybody on. Writing. Writing. Writing or writing? Writing. How's your writing? Football. Oh, you had a certain. You have a certain pattern just for you to play it, or a team. What team? The Chargers. We like Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, the local. Okay, I was worried about you there for a second. Chargers, Los Angeles. No, anybody else? Okay. To teach all the lost girls who Jesus is. Teach all the lost girls who Jesus is. Did I leave anybody out? Worship, flags, teaching, yes. Singing, acting, and dancing. Well, that's a lot of passions. Singing, acting, and dancing. Y'all follow me on the screen. Oh, that's so much fun trying to lose that guy. What? Eric, I'm, I feel like I might be the blind man. I used to sit here holding hands up all this time and I didn't see you. Keeping the faith. Keeping the faith. Okay. Passion. So we're talking about passion this morning. That's kind of fun, isn't it? All right, now I'll switch. Breath. Okay, I got a card. A thanks. Pastor appreciation, you know, we had all that. And I plugged it for myself, which was weird, I know. But uh, I was originally plugging it for everybody else. Hello, Harold, Mary Lou, and Freedom Fellowship. It says all these wonderful things. We love you, it says at the end. But nobody signed it. 
I looked on the envelope. Nobody signed the envelope. No return address. So if that's you, I thank you for the card. Because if it is you and you thought you signed it and you never hear from me, you're going to be mad at me and hold up an offense and then you've got to have forgiveness and all that good stuff. How many of you... I get from my sister-in-law, Billy Faye, because she writes cards. How many of y'all know she writes cards? She writes cards, and so she, she gave us a little uh, a love thing for pastor appreciation. So I wrote her a thank you note. She thanked me for the thank you note. I said, well, Nan, you don't have to thank me for that. Well, yeah, I know, but I just love what you wrote, and me and Billy, we just love it. You know, she's just going on about it. How many of you ever feel guilty about not giving a thank you note for a thank you note? You know, you don't really have to go that far. It's like that person that never knows how to end a text. You know, they, the smiley face, you know, I've got to do something back, you know, thumbs up. Oh, thumbs up two times, you know, and that sign, and he just goes, shut up, we're done. It's a run-on sentence. Texting is a run-on sentence. So we're talking about passion this morning. Uh, you know, I never, nobody said they were passionate about the Cowboys. How about the Astros? Altuve, boo! Ninth inning, Mary Lou didn't know I snuck up after I was studying, and I had the TV on mute. So I would peek into the, the, the den every once in a while to see where the Astros were in the game, and it was ninth inning, they're, they're ahead by two. And I thought, oh, they're going to go to the World Series again. This is awesome. I, was, I listened to the Astros since I was a little bitty boy. I had my little nine, my, my nine volt transistor radio, and I would listen to it in bed. And I was listening back when there was this no, they were the worst team in the world. And so when, when I peeked in there, the Yankees were up to bat in the ninth inning. We got this one in the bag. Two-run home run, ties it up, four to four. I thought, oh, my goodness. Now I'm going to game seven, surely not, and have to use their best starter. They need to save him for the first game of the World Series. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. But five foot six, 160 pounds. Jose Altuve, the heart and soul of the Houston Astros. George Springer walks. He takes a really important walk. There are two outs. The Yankees have Arnoldus, Arnoldus Chapman. He's their best relief. He's probably the best relief pitcher in baseball. Throws 101 miles an hour. He gets up there. Can you imagine this giant on the mound? And you're five foot six. You're like, you're like David here. And Goliath's pitching. And man, he gets a count. I think it's two and zero oh or two and one. And man, he knocks it out of the park. And the first person he gave thanks to was God. Woo! And then they said, man, you're the MVP. The MVP. He said, no, my teammates, our whole team, we're, this is the MVP. We're all, we're all did this together. And I, I love that guy. He wouldn't let him tear his shirt off of him. You know, that's a new tradition to tear the guy's shirt off that he has to walk off home run. He said, the last time they tore my shirt off, my wife was embarrassed. And she said, don't you let him tear my shirt off. So he's, he's going back to it like this. And then I read when they're getting all the champagne and everything out in their locker room celebrating that they're going to the World Series, he likes to just get along and meditate a little bit. He's a, he's a, he's a guy, he's kind of a different spirit. You know, he's passionate about the game, but he's passionate about God. So when you study the word passion, how many of you have seen the passion of the Christ? See, the word passion, we've, we've come to make it something that never was intended to be. We, the word passion really means to suffer. It really means to suffer. So when you see the passion of the Christ, you go, wow, He was suffering for us. But see, when you look at that word passion and suffering together, they work perfectly together. 
Because, see, we can like something. We can like to garden. We can like to bake. But are you going to give your life for baking a cake? No, you're not. Because you like to write, are you going to lay down your life because I'm a writer? No, you're not. Or if you like a certain sport, are you going to lay down your life because you like a certain... No, you're not. See, God's called us to be passionate about Him. He's called us to be passionate about our faith. He's called us to be passionate about revival. He's called us to be passionate about deliverance and healing and science. He's called us to be passionate. But see, that passion word goes further than, oh, I just really want to see a move of God. It means, are you willing to suffer for the cause of Christ? Are you willing really to lay down your life for Him? You see, when they used those words in the New Testament, it meant what it meant that they were willing to die for their faith. You know, and so when we say lay down our lives today in church, people are like, oh, well, you know what? That was good for the apostles. And, you know, they gave their lives so the gospel could come to us. But it's good for us today because God has called us to be passionate people. So when we understand the, the word and really what it means this morning, it means this, passion can be defined as what moves you to persevere at something despite fear, unhappiness, or pain. It is the determination and motivation to push through suffering for the sake of an end goal. I can't think of a better uh, example of suffering because of an end, because you're, 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 you're holding out for the end goal as a woman giving birth to a child. That's why, that's why parents, listen, we have a passion for our kids. How many of you would lay down your life for your children? Because you're passionate for them. You have a deep, deep, deep-rooted love for them. The women, listen, they've already had one, or already had one child. They've gone through all the pain. The husband just kind of like, yeah, I just empathizes a little bit. But they have to go through the pain. And then they say, I want to have another baby. You go, are you crazy? I was there in the room and you're going, ah! And demons were going, you know, all over the room. I was there, baby, you sure? Yes, I love, I want to, I want, I love children. I want to raise children because I'm passionate about it. And moms and dads are passionate about their children. That's what we should be. We should be passionate about our children. We should be passionate about our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, Christians, Christians should be so passionate that sometimes we get called crazy. It's okay. Passionate people can sometimes be labeled crazy. We've been told that I've been heard. I've heard this just recently that people are not saying don't go to Freedom Fellowship. They're crazy over there. Yeah, yeah, we're crazy. We're radical. I mean, I don't think we're near radical as we're going to be, but we're radical. We're, we're, we actually believe that God can heal. We're actually, we're believing things that God already said I can do and He's already done. He's already shown Himself to be true. And we're just believing those things and people think we're radical. Listen, what we are is what we should, that should be the normal Christian behavior. For all Christians, it should be. Amen? You know, the, the guy that dresses up in the, and paints his body green and yellow and puts a big chunk of cheese on his head and he's out at there waving a flag at a Green Bay Packers game. Now we think that's a fan. He's a passionate fan. But see, if we do something anywhere near like somebody falls out or somebody starts speaking in tongues, that's when that guy with the cheese on his head says, well, you're weird. I say, no, you're weird. How many of you have seen these guys? It's usually guys. They paint their bodies. Key. E X and they, they, they're, they're naked from the waist up and they've got orange paint on their chest and we think that's normal. 
And when's the last time we had anybody come to church, guys with C-H-R-I-S-T, painted on their bellies and on their chest? Mark, can you get that together for next week? And some of you, I want you to hold up signs, you know. God is good, you know. Radical, passionate, passionate, willing to lay down your life, willing to give everything you've got for the cause of Christ. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. What are you passionate about this morning? In that context, I want you to think about it this morning. What are you really passionate about? Are you passionate about Jesus? Matthew 11. I like to, I like to teach from a, a, a passage normally. I don't normally just pick and choose a lot of scriptures. I like a passage and see the context of it. So that means that there can be a lot of other things taught from it or other scriptures can be brought in. But we have limited time, so we're just going to go look at Matthew 11. And guess what I'm going to read from this morning? The Passion Translation. <laughs> Matthew 11, verse 1. After Jesus finished giving instructions to His twelve disciples, He went on to, de- to minister in different villages throughout the region. And now while John the baptizer was in prison, He heard about what Christ was doing among the people. So He sent His disciples to ask Him this question. Are you really the one prophesied would come, or should we still wait for another? Wow. Number one, John was, a pa- was passionate about his calling. Why would I say John is passionate about his calling? Because he was in prison because of his calling. He outed Herod for merit, taking away his brother's... I'm trying to figure this out. He took away his brother's wife, had an affair with her, and, and, they, and that, his brother's divorced his wife. He took his, that, his wife and brought him over to his... his he brought him in, in his, his wife, got rid of his own wife, and so John the, John the baptizer said, uh-uh-uh-uh, that's immoral, that's immoral, that's immoral. He, was, he dared to call out the, the leader of that whole area, Herod. And Herod was not a nice guy. But he had, he had a moral conviction to speak the truth. He was passionate about the truth. He, would, he wore camel's hair and he went out and he ate locusts and, and he lived out in the wilderness and he told people to repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. And he was saying, come, 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 repent of your sins. Start living a holy and pure life. The Messiah is coming. He was passionate. And his passion got him in prison. And his passion got him beheaded. But before he got beheaded... All of a sudden, listen, when you're locked up and you have a lot of time to think, sometimes the enemy will come in and start bringing doubt and unbelief into your life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It doesn't have to be a prison prison. It can just be your own personal prison. That doubt and unbelief will come into your life. And that's what happened. I believe what happened to John the baptizer. His passion put him in prison. And now he's going, well, if Jesus sets the captives free, why hadn't he come by to see me yet? Where, what's he doing? What's, I've heard some stories. He's, he's doing all these awesome things out there, but that doesn't sound like the Messiah that I was expecting. Where is the Messiah I was expecting? Jesus, are you the one? Verse 4, Jesus answered them, Give John this report. The blind see again, the crippled walk, lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the poor and broken now hear of the hope of salvation. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes upon those who never lose their faith in me, no matter what happens. He said, Don't be offended by what's taking place in the kingdom, John. Don't get offended. Sometimes we get offended when something doesn't look like we want it to look. And it wasn't looking like John wanted it to look. He got offended. Jesus said, don't, don't get offended, John. Listen, this is what I came to do. Jesus was passionate in his calling. 
Listen, before Jesus ever stepped down the, out of heaven on earth, he knew his destiny. His destiny was to come and die and be raised again and to be sent. He, that was his destiny from the get-go. Right? I talked about that in the, in the, uh, in, in when we talked about the covenant of redemption. God and Jesus had already worked this out. It was before time, be, before the foundations of the earth. There was already a plan to redeem man. So when he came to earth, he already knew this. First John, I mean, John 1, 29 says the very next day, listen, John saw, he was a cousin of Jesus. John saw Jesus coming to him to be baptized and John cried out, look, there he is, God's lamb. He will take away the sins of the world. So John already knew that this, his cousin was the, the Messiah from the very beginning. But now doubt and confusion and unbelief were trying to set in. And so Jesus said, this is what's happening in the kingdom, John. This is what I've been called to do from before the foundations of the earth. Look at Luke 4, 16. It says this, When he came to Nazareth, Jesus, where he had been raised, this was right after he had been tempted by the devil, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath day. When Jesus came to the front to read the scriptures, they handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and read where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and He has anointed me to bring hope for the poor, freedom for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. Listen, as believers in Christ, we share that same calling. We share that same calling. He, he said for us to do the same things He's doing. He said, I only do what the Father shows me to do. We're only to do what the Father shows us to do. But Jesus said, greater works you shall do because I go to be with the Father. And the question is, are we passionate about our calling like John was about his and like Jesus was about his calling? Are we willing to lay down our lives, give up our own agendas and suffer if necessary for the cause of Christ? Some people say, well, we're in the end times and, and where the political scene is looking and why things are changing in our, in our culture, we could actually have to suffer for the cause of Christ. And I don't know if we can or not. I don't know if we're ready or not. I don't know if, if we'd be willing or not. I don't think we'll know until it actually happens. But see, you may... You may think going across the street and talking to your neighbor is suffering for Christ, but it's not. You may, you may think praying for somebody at Walmart is, is suffering for Christ. It's not. We, we don't even know yet. We haven't been there yet, but God wants us to have the mindset. He wants to have us the heart set that we're ready to lay down whatever our agenda is for His agenda. It starts there. John 10, 19, John 10 18 says this. You know, when, when John, John the baptizer was questioning Jesus, he says, I surrender my own life and no one has the power to take life from me. I have the authority to lay it down and the power to take it back again. This is the destiny my Father has set before me. So he knew coming to earth, his destiny was to go and to die. He knew it. How many of you know your destiny is to come to go and to live for Christ? And, but in the process of living for Him, you have to die to yourself. So our destiny is to die also before we can be raised up to do what God's called us to do. It's no different for us today. Verse, uh, verse 7. As they were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What kind of man did you see when you went out into the wilderness? Did you expect to see a man who would be easily intimidated? Who was he? Did you expect to see a man decked out in the splendid fashion of the day? Those who wear fancy clothes live like kings in palaces? Or did you encounter a true prophet out in the lonely wilderness? Yes, John was a prophet like those of the past, but he is even more than that. He was the fulfillment of this scripture. See, I am sending my prophetic messenger who will go ahead of me and prepare hearts to receive me. The third thing I want you to see is that we are to encounter 
true passion. If we're going to encounter true passion, listen, lives were changed when they were when John the Baptist was out in the wilderness preaching the gospel, when he was preaching repentance, okay? Lives were changed that day. When Jesus stepped onto the scene, lives were changed when they encountered him and his passion. When Peter got up on the day of Pentecost and preached 3,000 people, their lives were radically changed because they had an encounter with the passion of, of Peter because he was ready to do whatever he was, whatever God called him to do to bring the gospel message. He stood before thousands and thousands of people that had the right and, the, and could have killed him. But he stood up because he was passionate. He was ready to suffer for the cause of Christ. I wonder if we're in that place today, if we're ready if we're willing. Do others see the passion of Jesus in you? Do they see the passion of Jesus in me? And that's a pretty sobering question to ask, isn't it? Do people see, that when they see me, or they see you, when, when your neighbor sees you, or your friends, or your enemies, or, or anybody comes in contact with your life, does your life have such a passion for Christ that they see Christ in you and then they go wow what is it that you got well I want to tell you something I died to myself and, and right then and there they're going to go whoa 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 I don't think I want to do that that didn't sound like a real awesome popular thing to do die to yourself but then you go on to say, show them what a life in Christ really looks like a life that's lived for him and not for yourself you see the victory that, that you have in your life versus the, the, the torment and all the pain that you went through without Jesus Christ in your life Encountering true passion will change you from the inside out. And you can hear it. And when you encounter somebody with a passion for Christ, you see it on them, don't you? You hear it in their voice. You sense it in their presence. It's because of the fire of God that resides inside of them. Verse 11, For I tell you the truth, throughout history there has never been a man who surpasses John the baptizer. Yet the least of those who now experience heaven's kingdom realm will become even greater than he now, verse 12 is a key verse in, in what I, this is what the whole, this whole message is wrapped around. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom is bursting forth and passionate, say passionate. passionate. Passionate people have taken hold of its power. For all the prophets and the Torah prophesied until John appeared. If you can receive this truth, John is the Elijah who was destined to come. So listen and understand what I'm telling you. The fourth thing I want you to see is that we need to experience the passion. We need to experience the passion. John the Baptist, listen, he didn't, ever, he didn't know Jesus like you know him. Why, why would Jesus say he, that we are greater than he? He was talking about us. We're like, oh, no, no, I'm not, I'm not greater than John the Baptizer. Not John the Baptist. No, I'm just little old me. No, he, see, John the Baptist never saw Jesus. And then, but when he was beheaded, Jesus was still just preaching on the kingdom. He was walking around the earth doing signs and wonders and miracles. He had not yet gone to the cross. He had not been resurrected. He had not ascended to the Father. He had not yet sent the Holy Spirit. So John the Baptist had a limited, a limited understanding of God. That's why maybe in prison he had, he had some doubts. But see, you and I, we have the whole truth. John didn't have the books through, from, from Matthew to Revelation. He didn't have that. He just had the Torah. So we have all this. We have, and the, to cap it all off, we have Holy Spirit in us, the fire in us. So we are greater in that sense than John the Baptist because we have revelation that he didn't have. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. When you read that scripture, you go, how could that be? Well, that's how it could be. 
But I want you to look again at verse 12. From the moment John stepped onto the scene until now, the realm of heaven's kingdom, God's kingdom, is bursting forth and passionate people have taken hold of its power. The New King James Version says it this way. And this is probably what you remember. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. There's that word suffers. And the violent take it by force. Now, I think back during the Crusades, the Crusade, the people that marching through the, through the kingdoms and trying to overtake other kingdoms were using that scripture as a reason for them to go in and kill people in the name of Jesus. But that's not, never what was intended by that scripture. We're talking about the kingdom of God, and we take it by force. I want to read something from Charles Spurgeon. I haven't quoted him in a long time, but I think this will, will bring, it, bring it to work to, to you'll have some revelation here of what he means in that scripture. Charles Spurgeon said this. This is about just verse 12. Frequently, complaints are made and surprise expressed by individuals who have never found a blessing rest upon anything that they have attempted to do in the service of God. And then he says, I've been a Sunday school teacher for years, says one, and I've never seen any of my girls or boys converted. No, and the reason most likely is you have never been violent about it. You have never been compelled by the divine spirit to make up your mind that converted they should be. And no stone should be left unturned until they were. You think, well, what has violence got to do with that? You have never been brought by the Spirit to such a passion that you have said, I cannot live unless God bless me. I cannot exist unless I see some of these children saved. Then falling on your knees in agony of prayer and putting forth afterwards your trust with the same intensity towards heaven, you would never have been disappointed for the violent take it by force, by passion. Some of you have lost loved ones. You might throw up a prayer once in a while. Oh, God, I wish you would save oh so and so. But you've never been violent about your prayers. You've never been passionate about your prayers. You've never wept over the lost. You've never shed tears. You've never stayed up through the night fasting and praying and weeping for something or someone that some, where God, they needed a God encounter. And yet we wonder, what does he mean by the violent taken by force? How, because he's asking for us to be laying down our own agenda. Listen, I like to sleep. I like to eat. How many of you like to sleep? How many of you like to eat? See, when, when God says, no, I want you to fast, I want you to pray, I want you to... I woke you up in the middle of the night, not so you could go to the bathroom, but so you could pray. And you go back to bed and you can't sleep and you just... You wonder why am I awake and you think about everything. I've got to pay this bill. I've got to get the dog to the pet. I've got to get them uh, their hair. I've got to get them a shampoo. i got all this stuff starts running through your head. And God said, no, 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 no. Fight for somebody. Get on your knees. Start weeping for somebody. They're dying. They're going to hell by truckloads out there. And we just go, oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about that. He wants you to be violent passionate about your faith Amen. and go after the lost. Listen, we say, I want revival. Do you really? Do we really? You know, it's kind of comfortable. It's not too, it's not too crowded in here. Look, look at all the empty seats. We've got empty seats all over the place. You know what some people like? They like an extra room next to them so their purse can be there. Or, or they, they, they like so they can wiggle. They have wiggle room or they can worship a little freer. Like, if you want to worship freely, you can just come right down here to the front. I want it to be packed. 
I think God wants this place to be packed. He wants to, Harold, you're going to have to go to two services because the revival started. But listen, do we want revival? Because you know what that's going to require? More prayer, more work, more volunteers. More, more people up here praying for people. More people on fire for Jesus. Oh, I want revival, but Lord, let's just wait a little while till I get everything done. And we, we, we have, we, we'll have our own agendas. Well, when I get out of school, I'll do this and so. When I complete this course, I'll do this and so. And we put God on hold until we complete what we want to complete, what we're passionate about, and it's not about the kingdom. And we say, I wonder why these kids aren't getting saved. Because you're not being violent about it. I'm not being violent about it not being passionate about it. Experiencing true passion may look violent. At times, it may look desperate. When's the last time you were desperate for God to speak to you? When's the last time you were desperate to hear from God? It may look intense and extreme sometimes. But until we're willing to go to that place, we can just still do what we're doing. And we can get a baptism here and a baptism there and a salvation here and a salvation there. A baptism of the Holy Spirit here, one there. The gifts, we might have a miracle once in a while. But I'm talking about a real revival. And you know, we all have to ask ourselves, am I willing to go there? I'm willing, am, I, am I willing to? Mary Lou and I, we ask ourselves these things all the time. All the time we ask ourselves, are we ready to go to that next level? Because if you really say, I'm ready to go to the next level, then you're going to have to do some things. Sorry. Just going to be that way. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said to all of His followers, if you truly desire to be my disciple, you must disown your life completely, embrace my cross as your own, and surrender to my ways. The footnote in the, in the Passion Translation says... This could also mean being willing to suffer and die for Christ. Verse 16. Don't you understand? How could I describe the people of this generation? Now, I want you to listen to this. Because we think, wow, he, that generation was messed up. <laughs> You're like children playing games on the playground, yelling at their playmates. You don't like it when we want to play wedding. You don't like it when we want to play funeral. You will neither dance nor mourn. Why is it that when John came to you neither feasting nor drinking wine, you said, he has a demon in him? Yet when the Son of Man came and went to feast and drank wine, you said, look at this man. He's nothing but a glutton and a drunkard. He spends all of his time with tax collectors and other affluent sinners. But God's wisdom, listen to this, but God's wisdom will be visibly seen living in those who embrace it. The fifth thing, the last thing which you see this morning is disgracing or embracing the kingdom. Are we disgracing or are we embracing the kingdom? See, the word disgrace means to dishonor or disrespect. How would you like to have been there when Jesus was rebuking everybody, Carol? I, I'd be, oh, man. You're not talking about us, are you, Jesus? Because we're that generation that you've come to save and we're going to set the world on fire. Are we that generation? We're playing games. It sounds to me like when, when, you, when you read the paper or watch the news, we're that generation that's calling evil good and good evil. It's all messed up. It's all messed up. 
We, we accuse people. We try to play the blame game. We, we, we look at this denomination. We say things about them. We say things about them. And you know what? Well, we've got it all figured out and we're all good. No, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Sometimes I think we're way more interested in being comfortable than reaching the lost. Our mandate. Jesus said, God's wisdom will be visibly seen living in those who embrace it. That's passion. When you embrace God's vision, when you embrace His mandate, when you embrace His commandments, when you embrace His love, when you embrace His forgiveness, when you embrace His calling, that's when the passion comes. Now, in preparing this sermon, I read a lot of articles. I googled a lot of articles about how do you get your passion? Some people are like, well, I'm just not passionate. I'm just my, temp- my, my temperament's not a passionate temperament. I don't have that kind of personality. I'm just kind of that laid-back, easygoing guy. You know, that's, that's kind of who I am. You know, when you see me preaching, it's, it's, it's got to be the Spirit of God because normally I'm pretty laid-back. And, you know, as my family, I'm pretty laid-back, kind of passive. And, and, but when the Holy Spirit comes in and He says, you've got to do this, okay, I have, to, I have to defer and I have to submit, which I, we should be all doing all the time, right? So I'm studying all these articles on how do we get our passion. One article said to find your passion that it goes beyond just a dream or a hobby, okay? It's something that you actually obsess over, that you go all out for. So I was seeing all these and I was looking at the, the spiritual context of all this. There's a spiritual aspect to all these things that people say in the secular world. See, what we call that is passion. We call that love. We call that love. We're obsessed with the love of God. We're obsessed with loving one another. We should be obsessed with love. He said, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. He said, be consumed with love. Be obsessive about love. That didn't seem to move anybody. Like, I ain't getting an amen out of that. Come on. We're supposed to be people that love. That should be our calling card. Hi, I'm Harold Watkins, Freedom Fellowship. We love you. We love God. We love sinners. This is who we are. We love people. We don't judge them. We just want to love you into the kingdom of God. Second thing I read was that sometimes the only way you find your passion or know your passion is by seeing the results of it, like helping people and seeing what you do uh, that causes others to have a better life. See, what we do, well, you know what we call that in the kingdom? We call that obedience. We call that walking out your giftings, walking in your calling. And once you start doing that, you'll see people, you'll see results of what you're doing. If it's a deliverance ministry, you'll have this calling on your life. And once you do these things, you'll see results from it. And you'll go, what? I, I love this. Do you love deliverance? I do. I do. But I want to see the fruit of my Amen. But see, we, we need to get... He, Mike says, I love to help people. I, I can tell you, my son, he loves to help people. He loves to help people in the food pantry. And he has a whole group of people that love people, that want to help people. I said, what better, what better witness can we have than going and cooking a meal for somebody or handing out food for somebody and praying for people and seeing lives change, radically change. Some of you like to soul win. I mean, you want to go out there and win souls. And you didn't... You, you didn't I, I think one of these days, I think I'll be a soul winner. No, God put that passion in your heart. And you love doing what you do. You're passionate about it. Another one was that this is the same article. Another thing that was that, that no matter what the storm, that you, you tough it out. You give it your all. 
no matter what. And does that sound good for a Christian life? Listen, when we go, how many go through storms? How many go through some hurricanes, some tornadoes? You know, we have storms in our life, and we call that when we're going through those, we call that trust. In the midst of all those things, we trust God. He's going to bring us through. Amen? That's passion. Being passionate is also being invested. It's your blood, sweat, and tears. It's about giving your best and not settling. Listen, when we began this series 20 messages ago, it was seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. It was about we go after God first. We seek Him first. And we may give up some blood. We may have a lot of sweat, but listen, we should have a lot of tears. We should be passionate because we're invested in the kingdom. I'm telling you, how many... I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you have some stock in, in the stock market and you've got some money invested in it, I bet you look at it pretty often. I bet you look at it over the... I bet you even pray for that company. Come on, company. Make some more money. Let's get that stock on up there because you're invested in it. You're, you're, you're invested in your children. That's why you want your children to do good in life because you're invested in them. You've got a lot of investment in them, hundreds of thousands by the time they graduate. They don't know that, but we do. We're invested. I'm almost through. Being passionate is being invested. It's surrendering. The next one is when you shut everything else out to pursue your passion. That's how you get to your passion. You shut everything else out. Right? We call that fixing our eyes on Jesus. We call that keeping our eyes focused on Him. We call that setting our things, our eyes on things above and not below. We call that taking every thought that's not a thought from Christ, taking it captive to the obedience of Christ. We say everything else doesn't matter. God's God is first. He'll work everything else out in life if we'll put Him first, if we'll seek Him first. That's true. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Passionate people are almost always ambitious. I was thinking about ambition. Uh, that, that company that, that Blinda's been in, invested in. People, passionate people are almost always ambitious. They have drive, enthusiasm, energy. You know what we call that in the Christian walk? Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Spirit of God. Enthusiastic. You want to go for something. You want to step outside the realm of comfortable. You want to do things that everybody else says, oh, that can't be done. They can't be won. You can't, you, that, that person can't be healed. You say, oh, well, my Bible says, my God says, Holy Spirit says, I've got ambition. I'm ambitious. I've got the energy. I've got the enthusiasm. The word enthusiasm means full of God. Did you know that? We're full of Him. Passionate people are almost always ambitious. It's being less, I like this, this is the last one. It's being less practical and more passionate. It's not taking the safe way, but the risky way. Passion challenges the status quo. It pushes boundaries. It wrecks traditions. Now that's a secular saying about passion. So we get all so caught up in these traditions of men and we forget what God has called us to be and call it, well, who He's called us to, to witness to, how He's called us to work in the kingdom of God. And we get so caught up in traditions. Oh, we, oh I don't want to offend them. I want to be politically correct. That's a bunch of baloney, you know? I, I, I don't want to... I don't wanna, I don't wanna, yeah, that's... Listen, we got to speak the truth when we speak it in love, right? But we can't be afraid to do what God's called us to do. We have to step outside the boundaries. 
when Mary Lou and I, when God called us out of the, the denominational church we were in, we were getting out into the uncomfortable waters. It was a little choppy for a while. And we were wondering, have we made the right choices? Are we going in the right direction? And God kept affirming over and over and over and over again, yes, 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 take a risk. Take a risk. It's called F-A-I-T-H, forsaking all. I trust Him. He's going to get us through this. If you think you've got to be practical and you're going to please God, listen, He wants you to be impractical sometimes. You know, we talk about common sense. We need the sense of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we're too, we have too much common sense. And we're too polite. And the violent take it by force. So we've got to, get, we've got to put our armor on because we're in a war. We're in a battle. And I, I don't know if the last time you've watched any war movies, but they're not, you know, they're not very pretty. We got to go in there and do what we call we call to do. But we go in there in the spirit of love. We go there with the armor of God covering us, and we do the, th- the things that honor Him. And, and we honor when we when we go and we share the gospel. We don't take no for an answer. Well, sometimes we do. Then you go back and you pray, right? You go back and you pray. Don't take the safe way. Be willing to risk stepping out of the boat. Only Peter walked on water. Said it couldn't be done. But he saw Jesus do it first. So when Jesus shows you that he can do it, then you can do it. Would you stand? You have the ministry team to the front. I want to close with the scripture because if there is a passage that wraps all this sermon up into one nice neat package it's Philippians 1 12-18 this is the Apostle Paul speaking he was passionate he said I admit that I haven't yet acquired the absolute fullness that I'm pursuing I want you to listen to all the, all the verbs here I'm pursuing but I run with passion into His abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. So he's got passion. He's pursuing. He's going after. He's seeking first the kingdom of God. He wants to discover what God has for him. Listen, if, you're, if, you, if you don't want to discover it, you won't discover it. If you're not passionate about going after who, uh, the calling on your life, you won't discover it if you don't want to. But God wants you to go after it. He said, I don't depend on my own strength to accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past and I fasten my heart to the future instead. See, a lot of you, you're, you're, you can't even be passionate. You can't even move in that direction because your past is still holding you back. And you need to let go of your past just as Paul did. I run straight. Say Run. run. <laughs> I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. You're not going to be able to do this without that, by His presence. So let all who are fully mature have this same passion. Say passion. Passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires, God will reveal it to them. So this is what I'm going to bless you with this morning before we finish this scripture. If you don't have that desire within you, you're not mature, you're not to that place where you're passionately pursuing God, 
I want to bless those of you that are maybe in that place of apathy or you're just that place where I, mean, I don't want to hear from God. I want to bless you today to, from this day forward that you're going to start hearing God's voice and you're going to start pursuing Him. You're going to go after the kingdom of God. You're going to seek Him first. The Bible's going to come alive to you. Your prayer life is going to start like just magnifying. You're going to start seeing things. You're going to have dreams. You're going to have visions. God's going to start speaking to you. And all of a sudden, you're going to have an ignition there. There's going to be an igniting, the fire within you, and you're you're going to begin to pursue God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I bless you with that today. And if some of you have been there before, but you've let the fire die, he says, go back and, and visit your first love again. Go back and do the same. Go back and do the first works. Go back and say, God, I remember that day when I was so passionate about you. I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't stop praying. I couldn't stop getting in your word. And if that's you and you've walked away from that, I bless you today to be reignited with the passion of Christ. To get back to that place. That's the only way we're going to have a revival here. That's the only way. And let us all advance together, kingdom advancing, to reach this victory prize following one path with one passion. One path. We're all going to walk this one path together with one passion. And that's to see the kingdom of God come from heaven to earth. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in San Angelo, right here. In this city, this community, in my family, in my school, at my job, your kingdom come there on earth as it is in heaven. That's what we want to see. If that's what you want to see, listen, join with me right now as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the fresh fire, the fresh passion that you're putting in your people today, in me and everyone else in this room, downstairs, upstairs, out in the parking lot, in the kitchen, in the bathrooms, wherever they're at, Father, there'll be a fresh fire fall upon your people. And Father, it'll look like this. There will be the, the, the deaf will hear, the blind will see, the cripple will walk, the leper will be cleansed, and people will be saved. They will be filled and baptized with the Holy Spirit, and your power is going to be an unlimited. And Father, we're going, to be, we're, going to have, we're going to be people on our faces towards you. We'll be on our faces, we'll be fasting, we'll be praying, we'll be seeking your face, because that's the way revival will come. There's going to be a cost, Father, and, and we may suffer some, but Lord, that's our passion. That's our passion today in Jesus' name. And everybody said? And everybody said? And everybody said? Come on, let's cry out to God this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, today is your day of salvation. We ask you to step out and come. Come right now if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And listen, if you're still in that place of apathy, and today you want a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, we want you to come up here. We want to pray for you today. Because I believe that today, and I believe it's already started, but revival started already. And we're moving in that direction. Amen? Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we invite you to come this morning. Step out and come, quickly. Come on. Step out and come. Step out and come. Step out and come. We want to pray for you this morning. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Some of you ought to be running down here. You want to... I just... There's a passion that's burning within you. Maybe it's a ministry that you've not been... You've not stepped into fully. And God says, I want you to step into that ministry. I want you to step into it. I want you to get busy. 
You're going to need prayer this morning to set you apart, to set you, uh, set you on fire this morning to go after what God's called from you. Step out and come. Step out and come.